0: All right, Hallers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content.
1: Don't be a pixie.
0: Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga.
1: Including Dark Age, you pixies. This episode is brought to you by Natty Light Seltzer Catalina <laughs> Lime Mixer. <laughs> <laughs> Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email howlerpod at gmail.com. Go visit us, howlerpod.com. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you don't give us five stars only, I will stab you with my razor through your mouth and out the back of your head until blood bubbles up.
0: And now, Howler Pod Out of respect for who you are, I will ask you one last time to come peacefully.
1: And if I don't?
0: There will be violence. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howlipod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by howler number one, Pierce Brown. Oh, oh. I'm your host, Ben Reinert, joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers.
1: Hello, Howlers.
0: We are here to talk to you guys about Iron Gold chapters 15 through 21.
1: Let's load up this starshell and shoot straight into our chapter
0: summaries. I hope we don't shit our suits.
1: Me either. 15, Lysander from the depths. The Archimedes is fleeing from the Ascomani, left with only bad options, except fighting and trying to do some crazy suicidal shit like Darrow used to do. Lysander eventually convinces Cassius to flee to the asteroid S-1392, where the Gold Woman was headed. As they approach the asteroid, a warship one they've never seen before, appeared and shoots the Ascimani ships dead before hailing the Archimedes, telling them to prepare for boarding. Cassius uses the fascium to craft an artificial face, and Lysander hides their identifying belongings in a safe.
0: Chapter 16, Darrow, the den. Darrow meets with Quicksilver and asks him to borrow... His ship, the Nessus, then Darrow, speaks with the Howlers, saying he trusts everyone in the room, even though one of them had to be the snitch. Snitches get stitches. He asks them to make the choice to go with him or stay. Holiday leads the not going group along with Cephi and her obsidians. Darrow tells the remaining Howlers they are bound for Venus to find the Ash Lord and cut off his head or light him on fire.
1: Both are good options. Chapter (laughs) 17, Lyria. Debt. Lyria revisits her dead brother, Tyrion, and checks the house to find her father also did not survive the Red Hand. I sound too happy about this. It's all very sad (laughs) and tear-jerking. She then checks the dead bodies and finds her sister and nephews also dead. Her grief is so overwhelming that they Do I still sound happy? (laughs) They were also dead. Also dead. (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry but they are also dead her (laughs) grief is so overwhelming they have to sedate her Uh, kavax then comes to the infirmary to thank lyria for saving his life he gives her a silver fox pin giving his word that he will do what is in his power to help her if she is in need lyria chases him after he leaves shouting until sophocles leaves Kavax to her. She asks Kavax, that's hard to say, asks Kavax (laughs) to take her and Liam with him. He says no, and Xana, the daughter that we never see, reinforces that she cannot come with them. However, Sophocles finds jelly beans in her pants. Magic! (laughs) Kavax decides she will be a valet for House Tillamonus, and Liam will come along as well.
0: Chapter 18, Ephraim. The Duke of Hands. Ephraim is questioned by the Duke of Hands. He almost loses one of his hands, but refuses to rat. I ain't no rat. The Duke laughs and reveals that he already knew Ephraim's broker, Oslo, and this was all a test that Ephraim just passed. He is being recruited for an even bigger job for the dangerous syndicate queen.
1: Chapter 19, Ephraim. Pernod? Sure. <laughs> Why is that the...
0: <laughs> it's a type of liquor. Oh. It's what he drink. he's drinking.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what that means. Ephraim meets his team, Sira, Dano, and Volga. They are resistant to go along with working for the syndicate, but Ephraim spells it out for them that they either do the job or get super murdered by the syndicate. Dano reads his data pad, telling the group that there is an arrest warrant for the Reaper. The group realizes they are all part of a larger game.
0: Chapter 20, Lysander. Dragons. The Moonies board the Archimedes, beating the golds and tying everyone up. Lysander is questioned. He says they are traitors and that they seek sanctuary. Diomedes and his crew come in, and there are obviously uh, conflicts within the Mooney group. Uh, We find out that the gold Lysander saved is Serafina, Romulus of fucking Ra's daughter. And Diomedes, sister, she says that she found nothing and that she was wrong. Um, Obviously, we know she's looking for that little hollow. Lysander doesn't know what they are talking about, but he realizes that he and Cassius and Pytha are now under Romulus's power.
1: And Cassius is probably thinking, thanks a fucking lot.
0: Yeah, we really got me killed here. Really
1: got me straight murdered. (laughs) Thanks, Lysander. (laughs) Chapter 21, Darrow, there will be violence. The Howlers are packing to go to Venus. Victor tries to tell Darrow to make Severo stay, but he can't because he learned his lesson when he tried to make Roke stay, and he's like, I can't do that again. That didn't go well for me. <laughs> I ended up in a box, <laughs> <laughs> and Fitchner died. <laughs> Severo and Darrow then go to Lake Selene to say goodbye to their children. Darrow wakes Pax, and Pax shows him his hover bike that he built, and they go for a ride. Pax tells Darrow that he doesn't want him to go, but Darrow says he must. As Darrow is leaving, Mustang appears, telling him to stay. He refuses, so she calls for the wardens. Darrow jumps up to run, calling for Severo, but the comm is jammed. Wolfgar and his wardens swoop in, wearing full pulse armor, and non-lethal weapons, except for their razors. A fight ensues, and Darrow accidentally kills Wolfgar. Horrified, he is pulled away by several and they fly away in their shuttle. Wow. Wow.
0: That was a rough one.
1: I sounded happy, though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you sounded happy again.
1: <laughs> and he kills Wolfgar, and it's great. Good job, Darrow.
0: All right, so now that we know what happened in these chapters, let's talk about the theme that ties them all together
1: betrayal loss of trust
0: that's heavy theme today
1: it is that's why i'm pretending to have a positive voice that
0: everything's okay (laughs) everything is awesome except for when darrow kills wolfgar (laughs) yeah that was really sad
1: it's sad that's sad lyria's whole family you know being dead all over the place that's fucking sad
0: I just feel like Wolfgar had so much potential and like he could have been such a fun ally to have.
1: He could have started talking in bold.
0: Right. Maybe one day he would have got a bold voice.
1: Maybe. I I feel like he was on his way there.
0: Now we'll never know because he's got razor tongue.
1: (laughs) (laughs) His teeth biting on metal as he dies. That's like, you know, when people bite their forks. Yeah. That fucking pisses me off. Oh, yeah. I bet that's how he felt while he was dying.
0: <laughs> He's probably his last thought. He's like,
1: <laughs> I hate this whole metal on teeth <laughs> bullshit.
0: Don't you hate that? All right. So as usual, we've pulled some quotes from these chapters that illustrate our theme of betrayal and loss of trust. We're going to start with Lysander and Our Cassius. favorite.
1: Our real favorite. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So this is when they're discussing what to do. They're being chased in their spaceship by the Askimani and running out of options.
1: And the Askimani, their big magnets start to pull in the Archimedes. And they're like, well, we're fucked either way.
0: Right. Right before that, they decide what they're going to do. And Cassius asked Lysander, he said, she used your razor. Did she have a scar? Lysander is thinking to himself, if I say yes, he won't go to S1392, the asteroid. He'll try to fight. So Lysander says, no, no scar. Then I feel the guilt building. My brain has always been faster than my conscience. And then this is what Aaron was talking about. Once they're starting to be pulled in by the old tractor beam, the Moonies show up and we see those brand new... Ships that nobody like has seen before. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? Pythas says, what kind of ship is that? And then Lysander says, I stare out the viewport. I don't know. But Cassius knows. And there's a feeling about him like he expected this. Like this was some inevitable end. I'm beginning to understand. Cassius says, you lied to me. He looks over to me with heartbreak on his face. She had a scar, didn't she? I accept his anger and meet his eyes. She did. Your
1: Lysander voice has gotten a lot lower. (laughs) She did. (laughs) (laughs) So this just illustrates uh, the huge betrayal that Cassius is feeling at this moment because Cassius knows if any of these Moonies find out who he is, he's like super dead because he betrayed... Both of
0: them probably at that point.
1: He's the one who's responsible um, in part for Revis's death
0: yeah, they think he like he says that himself. Like he says, they think I crushed his skull or something like that, you know?
1: But he might he was part of the group that did kill him. So he and the granddaughter. So he might as well have, you know, done it himself, even though he didn't. So um Cassius, this look of heartbreak on his face, that's just showing he's saved Lysander. He's raised him for ten years. He thinks like He's a good dude. And then Lysander's just straight up lying to him. Not Lysander's not trusting Cassius to make the right decision either. Right,
0: And we can kind of see that this is just Lysander kind of embracing his own agency. You know, he's already started going down this path when he jumped off the elevator on the Ascomani ship and it's just like this is him just kind of breaking away from Cassius at this point and it's only going to get worse as we know like moving forward that they're eventually going to have a full on breakup.
1: And it's funny in these chapters we see Lysander is making all these strong choices but he's feeling all this guilt for them.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: he's saying like I shouldn't have gotten the gold first. I shouldn't have ran away from cassius if i had feels bad about
0: the low colors that he left
1: yeah he's like i'll never forget all those people yeah and their mouths frothing and then he also says like if i had gone with cassius and not disobeyed they wouldn't be in this situation with the Ascomani right on their asses Mm -hmm. they would have been further away
0: it is interesting to think about him feeling that guilt now and how you don't see a lot of that later on in dark age
1: yeah, he like stops feeling guilty right. and starts feeling more space racist. <laughs> <laughs> How, when does that change? He gets in the l- desert. He I gets think a little kind of, entitled.
0: Yeah, I'm starting to. I want to. Th- I want to go back through those desert chapters. It seems like that is where he becomes does
1: l- a space racist.
0: Well, you can see the seeds for a lot of it because even when he's talking about darrow to cassius there's a lot of contempt towards darrow always like in the way he refers to him right and the way he uh talks about him even then like Cassius, when cassius mentions like your mom blew up that moon and their docks and lysander says that's what they say so even then like he's still skeptical very skeptical of darrow and
1: which he he has he no reason be. to like Daryl, Right. You know, Darrow blew his whole life up.
0: Right. And that's where I, I think a lot of that just kind of metastasizes in the desert and dark age. And then he just stops caring on, about sucks after anybody. that. Yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting that he feels guilty for these low colors when he clearly his actions show that he cares first for gold in his own color right and then as we see in dark age he even has like space racist thoughts about rona
0: yeah he like morphs it into this really hypocritical self-righteous thing where he's like i need to take care of he's like got contempt for the low colors but he's like we're the only race that can like help them move forward and we're the only people that can take take care of them yeah but he's like they should still be subject to subjugation or whatever so it's just
1: so cassius's uh whole mission to like protect those who can't protect themselves it's almost like uh lysander has adopted that but in like a fucked up way
0: yeah like in a real self-righteous gold way right yeah, so the next um quote that we have is from Lyria and we can just this is just a quick one we can kind of see how she she has just completely lost her trust in the republic and the sovereign after her family has died. This is when she's in the hospital talking to Kavax. He's about to leave and she she just whispers, she said she would protect us. And Kavax says, "Who?" and Lyria says, "The sovereign." So at this point like we can see like she's completely broken and all of her trust in the Republic and the Sovereign and any of them providing any protection for her and her family is just, it's all gone.
1: And she, she points out when she's talking to Xana and like, she's kind of a badass in this scene where she's yelling at these huge golds and there's like guards all around. Right. And she's basically like, screw you. You lied to me. The Sovereign lied to me. Right. She said, you brought me out of the mine, and you left me in the mud. Yep. And you said it'd be for six months. It's been for how long? Five years or something. Two, yeah. I think Two years, like that, whatever. Yeah. And she's totally, like, throwing down on these golds. And Xana's like, you don't understand. Like, it's not that simple. And Leary is like, it is that fucking simple.
0: Right. This, You know,
1: she's mad. She's got that red, fiery anger, mm-hmm. which... Like, her whole family just got murdered because they weren't... The Republic wasn't there to protect them.
0: Yep. Her loss of trust allows her to embrace her own power and take more control of her life at this point. Because this is kind of where we see her turn the corner. And she's like, I deserve more than this. Liam deserves more than this. I'm going to do everything I can to protect him. And that's why she runs off to... It's this low point where she's lost all trust in any other any uh, any of these institutions anybody else that's told her they're going to give her something she said no. And she, she goes d- out she's and like I'm takes not going to yeah. sit
1: here on Mars and wait again. Right. It didn't work last time. So yep. she she takes her power back. Mhm. It's pretty cool. Good job, Lirio. Good for you. We like you more now. (laughs) (laughs) We have more compassion for you because you become a super cool person. (laughs) (laughs) So the next step for betrayal and loss of trust, we have Darrow and the Howlers and also Darrow with Seffi. First of all, we see in that chat that uh, Darrow has with all of the Howlers there's clearly a snitch in the group. Ben still thinks it's holiday. <laughs> I'm trying to like point fingers at other people. I'm like, <laughs> what if it was Min Min? Because <laughs> she, she clearly like pretended not to know what was going on. <laughs> I have no answers. But um, Victor says, what I would like to know is which one of you snitched. Severo says, yes, please stand up so we can stab you in the spleen. <laughs> Only way Dancer could have been tipped is if one of you chatted about the emissaries. If you talk to a whore, a docker, your bloody damn mother, now's the chance to own it. No one stands. Darrow says, I trust everyone in this room. Knowing it's what they need to hear... But it's not true. The leak had to come from someone in this room, which uh, is where Ben throws double down on holiday.
0: (laughs) We'll get to it.
1: But this is, uh, for Darrow, this is a huge breach of trust because the Howlers are, you know, his main ride or die group. At this point, he's convinced that someone in this group had to have told them about the emissaries because how else... Would they know, except maybe, I don't know, the Ashlord slash Adelania just fucking like had someone tell dancer <laughs> like it didn't have to be a howler it's true. in that room. That's my point. <laughs> I'm ready to fight Ben. <laughs> That's fair. Um, <laughs> and then clearly the howlers are looking around at each other like, well, it wasn't me, was it you, mm-hmm. you know? So There's this tension in the group for them.
0: Yeah, and it runs all throughout that chapter. The next thing we kind of said where you can see it's still running throughout this meeting. He's talking about his plan. He's going to tell the Howlers about it, but he needs them to either be in or out prior to telling the plan because of this possible leak. He said, I'm not running, but if I tell you, then you are party to conspiracy. Not to mention, the plan's details will leak like word of the emissaries. I look at each of them, wondering again who betrayed me. So we keep seeing this theme of, like, there's been a loss of trust within the howlers. And then we also see it play out with, with Cephi. This is near the end of the chapter when he asks, basically, Seffi, are you with me? And then he says, I see her answer before she gives it. Unlike Wolfgar, she doesn't worship at the altar of the Republic, She carries the welfare of her people on her shoulders. When Ragnar died, that was her inheritance. Sephi responds to Darrow, I care nothing for Venus or Mercury. They are not worth obsidian blood. We have carried the rising on our backs. And for what? For gold to still sit on high? Darrow says, There are still obsidians left in slavery. Though I've seen this coming for some time now, the obsidians have borne too much. The gold's targeted them and the rain above all others. I remember how Ragnar put her hand in mine as he died. I thought the bond would last forever, but I have felt the cracks for years now as I asked more and more from her people.
1: So we see that not only is there a betrayal within the Howlers, but the Howlers are now feeling betrayed by Sephi and the Obsidians, but Sephi and the Obsidians feel betrayed by, and
0: the, by Republic. the Republic yeah.
1: for... All the losses. And Sephi also brings up, they said they'd be free and blah, blah, blah. But not only are they dying in Darrow's fight, they're also outcasts yep. and not accepted in society. Mm-hmm. And they also like have no real home. So this is when we're wondering, is Sephi already planning to build this new empire that we find out about in Dark Age? I would
0: assume she's pretty lo- far along at this point, right? I mean...
1: I mean, it's only months after couple Victra. Couple months later, yeah. Victra still hasn't had her baby, and right. and Sefie already has an empire, so she clearly had to be planning this.
0: She's been thinking about it for sure.
1: And then we were also surmising, what has she been poisoned yet at this point, Saffy? Like maybe she right. doesn't want to go fight with Darrow because she's like, I'm about to die. I need to set up my obsidians for success before mm-hmm. I bite the bucket
0: and then yeah the next place we kind of see this loss of trust and betrayal is with darrow and his son pax but can we stop and talk about that it was kind of cool to see darrow just like being a dad for five minutes
1: five minutes good job (laughs) darrow you were kind of a dad at one point
0: it was nice i was like oh kind of seeing them together they did have some nice like Father-son moments there for a second. And it's so
1: sweet. He's like, I'm falling in love with my son all over again. (laughs) And Pax is all, like, super excited to show off his motorcycle. And then this is great foreshadowing, too, about Pax building, you know, the escape mechanism that Ephraim Mm -hmm. has him build in Dark Age. Right. So we already know Pax is a good... And him being a good pilot. He's a pilot and he's a mechanic. Right. And he's super fucking smart. Probably has the mind's eye. (laughs)
0: Uh, We don't see that yet yeah so the quote that we pulled is Pax says it's not fair not to me not to Gran not to mother she needs you here she won't say it but she does you don't know what it's like when you're gone you don't care Darrow says of course I care Pax crosses his arms if you cared then you would stay Darrow says I want more than anything to give him what he wants what he needs I feel the erosion of my credibility in his eyes and I wish I could explain how he is right a father should be there for his son. I'll come back.
1: Will you, though? <laughs> we still don't know. We still don't know. He's off philandering with Cassius <laughs> doing God's no.: God He's got to have a little what. bro
0: love first. Then you can get back then to Then you can be a father. Yeah.
1: First, he needs the bro love. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, clearly, Pax feels betrayed, and he's probably felt this betrayal like his whole life as his dad takes on you know, the world's problems and not his family's problems. Darrow, of course, feels that betrayal that his son feels and he feels horrible for it, but what's he to do? Right.
0: He's got this responsibility, he feels like, to so many other people, literally billions of other people.
1: And also, if Darrow doesn't finish this war, kind of like we saw in the last chapters, it's not like he'll have peace. Like, they'll always have people trying to kill him and Mustang. So he wants to eliminate the enemies so that they can live without fear of assassination. Yep.
0: Hard to explain that to a child.
1: He's pretty smart, though. True. He's a smart little 10-year-old. And then finally, our our last betrayal of trust that we see, of course, is with and Mustang. They need to go to a marriage counselor. <laughs> <laughs> um, For... Good reason. They have to keep a lot of secrets from each other. But Mustang at this point is like, where the fuck are you going? You can't go. I'm not going to let you go. The quote that we pulled is Mustang saying, what is the point of this marriage if there's no faith between us? No trust. I know you love me. I know you love our son. But love isn't enough. You can't hide things from me just because I'll disagree with you. This war is not your burden to bear alone. It is shared by all of us. But maybe you think you're meant to die. Maybe you think you're supposed to follow her.
0: Mm, got to bring EO into this. Wow. Do you got to bring EO into this? Wow. <laughs> Low blow.
1: So Mustang, she obviously is a, f- afraid for Darrow because she, she realizes his like downward spiral even before he does. But she's saying to him too in this chapter, like you can't leave like this. The republic will shatter, mm-hmm. and of course, we see that it does in Dark Age. It fucking explodes, Pretty much, and yep. she gets her cheek stabbed multiple times. <laughs> and we surmise that if Darrow hadn't have left, possibly, maybe they could have held it together better. It's
0: hard to say. It's just like we were debating this a little bit prior to the pod starting and Aaron was saying that, and I think you made a good point. It's just like putting Darrow in a cell was just really never going to work.
1: No. And Mustang should know better that her husband is not good in small cages. Right. <laughs> uh, he's going to like, you know, fight th- his way freak out. The fuck out. Yeah. He's going to freak out and <laughs> yeah. go rage red. Yeah. He's still a red, right. you know, and he's going to kill everybody. Right.
0: But we also know like Daryl's plan was not sound and not a good idea to just go to Venus. and
1: Because, you know, he finds a raisin.
0: Right. And he had clearly like underestimated Atalantia at this point. We hear that in his meeting with the Howlers where he's talking about like the Ash Lord is the key. The Ash Lord is the key in Atalantia. She's, she's just, just a follower, basically. She's just an Aja. Yeah. He, she just does what he tells her to do. But he clearly underestimated her. Because she's been leading the war effort, basically, for the she's last She's been wearing years. that snake. Yeah.
1: Planning on being a nephew fucker.
0: So I'm always of the mind that Darrow and Mustang are much better together. And they should always be trying to stick together. Because they even each other out so so well.
1: Right. And, and obviously, things become dark right. when they're apart, <laughs> like the next book.
0: So maybe, I think we were still in for a dark age, no matter what, but maybe not as dark of an age.
1: And Daryl could have protected Mustang better. Right. And possibly even been around. Um, to. F- and if Severo especially would have stayed, he's sneaky. He can see behind the scenes better. Maybe they would have uh, seen the whole ploy to kill dancer and everyone right before it happened.
0: And also if Daryl's around and like, let's just say he's in jail or something, but then shit starts to go wrong, they're going to loose that motherfucker. And he's just going to be, you know, as soon as they, it's like Daryl says, as soon as they need him again, they're going to let him loose. Right. And so at that point, maybe he could have done something about it. Uh, oh, we'll never know. Cause yep.
1: that's not what happened. Cause yeah. he straight up, Stabbed Wolfguard was like peace.
0: <laughs> yeah, at that point you're just like, oh shit. <laughs>
1: but I will say this reread now that I know what happens in Dark Age, I feel a lot more empathy for Darrow. Right. Like before, I'm always like, what are you doing, dude? Like, chill out. But well, now, yeah. now rereading it, I'm like, totally see where he's coming from. And even though the Ash Lord is a raisin, I still think he's right about everything ex- except he's blaming it on the ash lord instead of right Catalani. his
0: his intuition about the situation was definitely correct right and i think before dark age we were definitely questioning whether he had just kind of gone mad with war you know where he, where he was really leaning into this warmonger thing where just like daryl's kind of seeing ghosts but uh we know that his intuition was correct. But he just didn't have all the information that he needed, basically. But it is interesting to think about how it could have been a little different.
1: All right. That leads us to our Prime 5. What's our Prime 5 Ben?
0: Five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. That's right. I'll take the first one. So there was a ton of foreshadowing within Ephraim's chapters. We get a figment mention. That's fun.
1: Figmentum.
0: We get... Uh, the Duke of Hands, this was a fun one. I starred this when I was reading it. Start it? Yep. <laughs> we get the Duke mentioning the grenades in the back of his ship. He points to his ship uh, out on the landing yeah, pad. Yeah, he's
1: like, we could put a grenade in your mouth.
0: Right. I've got some grenades on board that ship back there. I'll put one in your mouth. And as we know, like Ephraim uses those grenades later on at the very end of the book.
1: To almost kill himself. hmm
0: <laughs> And then there's also a lot of foreshadowing where the crew knows the plan but we don't know the plan at this point you know for the first time you're reading it through and they're like oh my god this is crazy like
1: Ephraim's crew
0: yeah Ephraim and his crew they know the plan and then they see that there's an arrest warrant issued for Darrow and then they're just like holy shit because they know what they were basically contracted to do
1: to steal Darrow's kid
0: right and they're like now the others are arrest warrant out for Darrow, and Ephraim's specifically. Like something is up here.
1: Yeah, he's like, who? Yeah, who is the one controlling the puppets?
0: Right, and he says, I wonder what role I'm playing and who really holds the leash, which is interesting, and because we know who really holds the leash at this point. Lilith, is fucking abominadrius, abominadrius, and Lilith. Yeah, it's the two of them.
1: Those motherfuckers <laughs> get it. He's a <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> uh, that's good. Next up on our Prime 5, Diomedes is a total badass, and Ben has a new crush.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't say a new crush. There's just a really, really cool description of him. If, if there's one thing Lysander's good for, it's for like describing things really well
1: and good memories
0: right and good and he has a good memory but there's a couple parts that i just really liked in this it's when like diomedes first comes in lysander says the force of him is so raw so true and uncalculating that he seems as pure as a natural element undimmed by compromise untamed by society he makes me feel trapped impure and suddenly so small as i realize men like him can exist
1: because Lysander is a pixie bitch.
0: <laughs>
1: just kidding. I also love really. when
0: all the Moonies are like, they first come in and Lysander talks about how there's earned arrogance mm-hmm. like throughout the entire room. And I just think that sums up gold like so well. Earned arrogance. Earned arrogance. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, they're fucking stronger than everyone. Better <laughs> at fighting. Smarter. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and these are like the cream of the crop of the rim. Right. And the rim is a harsh land right. to grow up in.
0: They're like real golds. I mean, I mean Diamenes
1: doesn't even have an ear.
0: Supposedly like he's handsome, but he's so scarred, scarred and and he doesn't like fix himself or anything like that. Like he could obviously have Carver easily fix like any scars or anything, but he's like wearing those as like badges of honor. And then, how everybody in the room's like, oh shit, Diomedes. Oh shit, <laughs> Diomedes is here. Stand down. Yeah,
1: that's great. That's your Mooney crush because Romulus isn't going to last. Do you think long.
0: Diomedes is going to come through for us in the next book?
1: Uh, I don't feel like he's he going to be a
0: bad guy, right?
1: I don't feel like he's going to stick with Adelania because right. they peed on his coat.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And like, I'm not going to hang out with you if you pee on my coat.
0: Can we get a fucking Ajax Diomedes Razor duel?
1: Ajax would lose. Yeah, exactly. He's, <laughs> he's so full of himself. And he's <laughs> like, he's just a brute.
0: I feel like that would be badass, though. And he needs to be all paid the, back for peeing on Diomedes. Coat. All
1: of the razor fights that I wanted aren't happening because of Alexander's death.
0: Oh, yeah. So oh.
1: we never even got to see him fight. Barely. I'm not. I'm not super happy about that
0: fact. We got to see him fight a little bit, but yeah, not
1: like a duel.
0: Not a straight up duel, no.
1: So next on our prime five, we have um, some chit chats between the howlers that lead to some apollonius foreshadowing
0: there's a whole lot of apple foreshadowing in these chapters that i was just completely missing the first time around you know
1: is it weird that i hate lysander so much and he's kind of like at this point on the knife's edge of good or bad but i just love apollonius (laughs) and he's so clearly a bad guy (laughs) like he's not a good person it's much
0: more fun to like apollonius yeah
1: He's, like, evil, but I just like him more.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, Lysander's a big fucking hypocrite. That's why you don't like him.
1: Okay. (laughs) I'm just thinking Apple, he's going to, like, spank Lysander when he's in his little ghost cloak, and then Lysander's going to, like, realize that he's a hypocrite because of his memories of his mom and because of Cassius, and he's going to, like, switch sides and be good again. Let's all hope. And then we're all going to have to kill Apple because he's still clearly evil. I think
0: Lysander is definitely going to learn a lesson from Apollonius because he's going to underestimate that dude. I think he does already underestimate him a lot. Yeah. Because that guy's fucking dangerous.
1: And is he just by himself floating around invisible? Like, he didn't bring anyone with him?
0: Seems like he's, yeah, much more built for stealth at the moment when he's just hanging out on Mercury.
1: He's just alone. Floating around he's
0: probably got like a little squad with him, but
1: cool anyways apple foreshadowing mm-hmm. um, there's a reference to him being in deep grave mm-hmm. and this is all a lead up to the next chapters when we go uh bust him out of there mm-hmm. and then Daryl mentions the insurance policy on the minotaur meaning the bomb in his head, which we also find out about in the next chapters and then also there's a um while they're packing up the shuttle, all the Howlers, there's a Minotaur helmet that just kind of like casually passes by as Darrow.
0: Yeah, somebody else's.
1: Darrow's talking to Victra, and there's <laughs> like, there's a Minotaur helmet. So clearly it's like, we know where you're going, dude.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, the next item on the Prime 5, we had just a grab bag of, of fun that we want to talk about. little just potpourri. A little potpourri. Uh, we get our first look at Alex. And Rona.
1: They're they're hanging out from the get-go.
0: Introduced together. Uh, gosh, those two never got a chance. Uh, we also wanted to say that Volga remains very cute. She doesn't spend her money. and then, Except
1: for going to the zoo. <laughs>
0: and then Ephraim's like, Volga, how could you spend all that money? She's like, I know. <laughs> and then he calls,
1: what's he call her? Parsimonious. Parsimonious, yeah. And she says, parsimonious is a fine word. <laughs> I'm like, I fucking love you, Volga. dude. She's she's as lovable as Brienne of Tarth.
0: Yeah, she just. Oh, that's a really good comparison for her, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: they're super lovable.
0: Really good call. And then we also Lysander's eyeballs just can't catch a break. He takes <laughs> oh, a <yeah>. full take <laughs> takes a full fingernail to the eyeball.
1: His capillaries <laughs> get <a> little busted. <laughs> that, yeah, foreshadowing for Lysander. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the, it, the other eye gets lost. They don't I say think which it eye. Is
0: his other eye, though. I think they, they don't do. say right or left. I think it does say it's the left side of his face.
1: That's what gets burned, but the one that she pokes. I,
0: oh, she said it was her right, because she's like, it was her right thumb or whatever. So it was his that'd right be, eye.
1: No, that'd be his left eye.
0: Oh, you're right. Maybe she. I thought it said his right eye, but maybe not.
1: I don't remember. Anyways, his eyeballs, uh, not doing well. Even though they're (laughs) like beautifully, like light gold. He's got the crystal, like crystal gold eyes. Sorry, we're gonna pop them for you, buddy.
0: I was just thinking about how much that would fucking hurt
1: we should try it to our enemies uh, <laughs> oh to our enemies there yeah okay let's drink more of these natty lights and poke i was gonna say i need to meet a few more hard seltzers before <laughs> <laughs> yeah by the way ben shows up today not with i said we need beer he shows up with these fucking catalina lime mixers
0: and you like them and i like so them stop a lot complaining Uh, and the last thing we had in our quick grab bag was there's a little bit of, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but there's just kind of a little bit of foreshadowing regarding Sefi. And she's like, I have a responsibility to my people and she leaves the howler meeting. So like we had talked about, oh yeah, she's, she's she's up to stuff.
1: She is definitely, um, getting cheated on (laughs) currently.
0: Do you think Valdir is already banging it out?
1: Valdir, the Cassius of the Obsidians, is flinging his braid around, <laughs> being a little hoe.
0: Back on Mars already?
1: He's a little hoe. Wow. He's hoeing. You while don't think
0: he's there with her? He's probably. He's not a howler, I guess.
1: No, she's like saving all her people, and he's hoeing. Yeah. Wow. How dare he? Dang. I like him a lot too, though. <laughs> I really hope that he survived full Faw.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be back. All right, last item on the Prime 5 list. Aaron's very excited (laughs) (laughs) to go back to Ben's Conspiracy Corner. Yay! (laughs) We had to argue over whether I could do this segment here today. So I'll keep it quick for you. Okay. Holiday. I'm still suspicious and I'm getting more and more suspicious. He's
1: doubling down. The more I resist
0: every day. The way I convinced her that I could get this on the podcast is that she's going to have a great time if I'm wrong with it. So,
1: or a horrible time. if (laughs) I'm wrong.
0: So there's just a few things I wanted to point out.
1: Let's be, let's remind the listeners. Ben thinks that holiday is the ass Lords inside lady.
0: Yes. Aaron continually muds this up by trying to include the syndicate. Holiday is working for the society. Always or the
1: ass lord or Abominadrius.
0: <laughs> not Abominadrius.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she's not working for anyone. Maybe
0: she's just a good loyal she's holler. A
1: good little sendler block.
0: Anyway, there's an interesting part where Holiday basically, she says, I'm not going to do this. I'm loyal to the Republic. And then immediately following that, Victor refers to her as a traitor, um, which obviously fits into the context of the situation. But...
1: Severo's over there calling everyone traitors. I
0: know. It obviously fits directly into the context of the situation. But in the larger view of things, if she is a spy overall, it also fits into that. Um, There's also a point where her face is racked with guilt when she decides to leave. Obviously, she would normally feel guilty if she was a good person and on our team. She would feel guilty for leaving, but also she could feel guilty about being a spy. And she's also a snitch because she told Mustang about Darrow leaving.
1: She did, in fact, snitch on Darrow to Mustang, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean that she's working.
0: Snitch tendencies. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
1: my whole point is like if she's really working for Adelania or the Ash Lord then why wouldn't she stay with Darrow and continue to spy on him
0: I think she's needed more with the Republic on Luna that's why that would be my answer it's more important for her to
1: don't they want to know where Darrow's going because he's part of their big plan to like screw up everything it's
0: more important for her to keep tabs on the Republic and try to continue to cause division on the inside.
1: And we already know that Adelania wants Darrow to use the 7th and cause civil war and do all her dirty work for her. So why isn't Holiday pushing more for that and saying Darrow, we don't want, she's the one who's like, we don't want a civil war. We don't want to fight. Okay,
0: that's the best point you've made about that. So now we're going to stop talking about it. (laughs) Because
1: are you nervous? Are you getting nervous that I'm right? Man. Pierce, we need an answer. This is causing division in our ranks at home.
0: All right. That's the uh, prime five. And uh, now we need to name our primus of the week.
1: The one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest.
0: Our promise of the Week this week is Lyria. Everybody had a pretty tough week, okay? Including her. She found her entire family dead, you know, in Super, various places.
1: Not only dead, her <laughs> sister lost one of her shoes and also got her throat cut to the spine. Yeah,
0: it was, little, it was a little rough. Both bad. It was a rough start, but she also, she got a ticket off Mars. She's That's got positive. a
1: ticket to ride.
0: <laughs> she got a job. She found her purpose. She found her power as a woman. You know. She
1: yelled at Golds and didn't die.
0: She's vowed to protect her nephew and give him a better life. And she demanded. Yeah, like you said, she demanded the Telmantes take her. She has magic so, in yeah, her pockets. she has got magic pockets.
1: Magic. So now that brings us to Howler Q and A. We have a a question from at the Mudblood Prince. It is, do you think terraforming is actually possible in the near future? Near meaning less than 150 years away.
0: Um, I'm going to say less than 150 years. Probably no. Do you know what terraforming is? Yes. Okay. Kind of do too. It means... Basically like making an uninhabitable planet habitable, right?
1: Without space bubbles. Like living on a world...
0: Creating an atmosphere and all an that atmosphere shit. atmosphere and yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah.
1: Without living with helmets or space bubbles.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're doing that in fifty years. I don't see it. Maybe eventually.
1: I think that Elon Musk is probably the closest, but I still think that the radiation is going to straight kill everyone before we can terraform the world fast enough. So it's going to take a long time to figure out how to beat the cancer that will ravage human bodies as we try to inhabit mars and such
0: right because space is just out there just trying to kill us at all times
1: just radiation is a big problem
0: (laughs) (laughs) and i think just in the small amount of research i've done on terraforming i think it takes a really long time like we would need new technology that has not been invented yet i'm talking like yeah, millions of years.
1: So, if it were possible, where do you think we'd start on the moon, or do you think we'd start on Mars? Because those are our two options.
0: I would say Mars is probably the best option, right?
1: Because of the water. It probably,
0: it used to have an atmosphere at some point.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think like the aliens that lived on Mars are the ones who bombed the dinosaurs? No. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting theory, Ben. (laughs) Popular opinion suggests otherwise.
0: All right, you know what it's time for?
1: What are we into this week?
0: Aaron, what are you into this week?
1: I'm into this super fucking amazing, badass, bomb-ass diggity show. (laughs) (laughs) I really like it.
0: Bomb-ass diggity, huh?
1: It's called Undone. It's on Amazon Prime. It's an animated show. It's an animated drama.
0: Oh, wow. It's animated.
1: It's about schizophrenia and uh, this woman who is 28 and she's like living this boring life, working every day, Mm -hmm. you know, same bed, same boyfriend, same job, same commute over and over. And then um, she starts seeing her dad who's dead. And the show is really, really cool. I'm not going to spoil it. But um, it, it does a really good job of suggesting both that she is experiencing symptoms of schizophrenia or actually seeing her dead father and actually like having like superpowers. Oh, wow. And you don't know as the audience what is real. And you're kind of left to decide you know choose your own adventure mm-hmm. is she having schizophrenia or is she having superpowers oh,
0: that does sound and
1: it's super well done it's very realistic the character is super like dry and sarcastic which is what I hope to be she's very <laughs> funny but also like depressing in a funny way mm-hmm. it's a really great show I, I totally binge watched it the last two days
0: how two many days. episodes
1: there's nine I think how long are they uh, The episodes are about 30 minutes long. Love a 30-minute 30 30 show. 30 or under. First season has nine. Honestly, I hope they don't make a second season because the first season, the ending is perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything about the show is super, super dupe, super dupe, super dope, super dope. <laughs> <laughs> super dope. <laughs> it's called Undone. Kay. It's on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon Prime original.
0: I promised Aaron that I was going to check it out, so I will.
1: Ben, what are you into this week?
0: I'm into a band called Whitney. Houston. No. Oh. Just Whitney. (laughs) Specifically, their album, Forever Turned Around.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: This is a great band. They're a little poppy, a little Bonavary.
1: Bon Bonivary.
0: But they're not like depressing Bon
1: Bonivar.
0: The dude sings in like a falsetto. It's a duo, but then they have like a whole band too. But mainly it's a duo. One plays drums and sings. One plays guitars. Uh, they're like little hipster guys. Kind of indie pop. The songs are kind of like they're written like country songs kind of, but it's much more like a pop style. And there's nice. horns. It's good. It's like sad boy music for bo- sad boys that don't want to be sad anymore. Like Ephraim? Yes. Like it's like sad boy It's
1: like Ephraim before he dies.
0: Right. It's like when he's on the way after he's decided I'm to not going to be a sad boy. Yeah, I'm not going to be a sad boy anymore. He's listening to this album. Nice. Yeah.
1: It's called Whitney Forever Turned Around.
0: Right. And it's really good. So.
1: Get it Forever Turned Around?
0: <laughs>
1: like his mission and mood. Yes. But then it's not forever.
0: That's what I'm saying. It's, boy, it's for boys that used to be sad.
1: We got Whitney forever turned around and the show undone.
0: Aaron, what's coming up next on HowlerPod?
1: Next on HowlerPod, Iron Gold, reread chapters 22 through 27. Don't forget, Howlers, to follow us. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email howlerpod at com, Visit howlerpod.com. And don't forget to rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars, we will press our thumb into your eyeball and break all of the capillaries. Pop
0: those capillaries.
1: Pat, 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 snap, crackle, pop.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Howlers.
1: Omnisphere lupus. Hello. Oh.